Hello and welcome to Curdled Ink, One Woman's Tirade Against Poor Writing and Problematic Romance. My name is Lee and it is episode 30. I have to do math now because we're not just on the same episode as the chapter number anymore. <laughs> episode 30, chapter 3 of Fifty Shades Darker. As usual, content warnings will be listed in the episode description. And my cat is feeling very affectionate right now, so he's going to be having things to say, I'm sure throughout the episode. Chapter 3, we begin with Christian emailing Anna the morning after their little date, whatever you want to call it, and he's asking if she's had breakfast, and the subject line is, so help me, as in like, so help me God what I'm gonna do to you if you have not eaten. So we're off to a great start of them interacting again. Christian is doing really well helping out his depressed, I guess now no longer ex-girlfriend. Cool. You'll love to see it, folks. So they're kind of bantering back and forth a little bit via email, as they do occasionally. And so remember last time Christian was like, I'm not going to touch you anymore until you beg for it and like communicate with me in a certain way to try to fix the communication issues between them that are largely his fault from my point of view. So he's like emailing her like, oh, you're, when we get together tonight, you're gonna beg for it, blah, blah, blah. And she being the brat that I am still fully convinced that she is. <laughs> and uh, the further I read into this series, the more convinced I become. Anna says that Christian is going to be the one who's begging, which is a line that only a brat could ever dream of saying to their dom. And I fucking, I'm here for it. I live for for it, Anna. Find yourself a dom who knows how to deal with brats, please. You'll be so much happier than with this asshole. So they banter a little bit more, and then because they're both emailing each other from their work email accounts, which I guess this was like before Gmail or something. I, no, it can't. 2011 was not before Gmail. It can't be. I refuse to believe that. I also refuse to Google it because I'm in the middle of recording a podcast episode and fuck that shit. But I swear to God, I had I at least had like a Hotmail account by 2011, <laughs> by like way before 2011. Internet email services were a thing. Like you could absolutely, like they could absolutely be emailing each other from like their own private email accounts or whatever. But then again, Christian literally always emails Anna from his work email. And he's, it's, I guess that's the thing about being the CEO of a company is that you can email your girlfriend from your work email. You can take the work helicopter <laughs> on dates. You can do whatever we, you want with it. But he says to Anna, hey, you're emails at your, you know, publishing company at your job are monitored, so you might want to be careful with what you say to me here. And she's like, shit, how does he know? And I'm like, shit, how does he know? Oh, wait, yeah, I remember what this part of the book ended up being. <sighs> Just you wait. Oh yeah, also, he was the one who emailed her at work first. Like, he reached out to her via her work email after they broke up. So he is one to talk, is all I'm saying. So that day, Anna has been invited to get drinks with her colleagues after work because it's Friday, and Christian is going to meet her there and, like, pick her up, and then they're gonna have their date together as well. 
so they're meeting at a bar. I think it was across the street or like down the block or something, like somewhere close to, to Anna's workplace. So she steps out of the building and this like strange disheveled woman accosts her on the street and they have this really odd interaction and, and this woman kind of seems to know who Anna is. She knows her name somehow and she doesn't really explain what she wants or what she's doing there. She just kind of comes up and is like, hey, are you Anastasia Steele? And Anna's like, yeah, who are you? And she's like, haha, and leaves. And Anna is just kind of left a little bit rattled and, and her subconscious is telling her that this woman is somehow connected to Christian. Spoilers, because I do in fact remember this character from my first read-through of these books. But yeah, suffice it to say, she comes back later. This is not the only time we will see this woman. So Anna gets to this bar and she's like kind of hanging out with everyone else from the company. She's like having drinks, whatever. Her boss starts flirting with her, which is not great. <laughs> So that's cool. There's also, I didn't write down like a, a page number to find the exact quote, but there's a moment when he first starts to get flirty with her where Anna notes that he's like standing too close to her, but she's like, oh, but, she, but he does that with everyone, which just feels like another red flag to me in the context of this book because what that probably means or what I interpret that to mean is that he gets flirty with all of the women who work for him, which is not great. I've said it before, I'll say it again. Nobody in this series knows how to actually navigate anything social in the slightest bit of a healthy way. However, luckily, so far at least, this guy seems to just be, you know, a little bit inappropriate in attempting to ask out this younger woman who he has hired and therefore is not in a great position to start dating. But, you know, at least he's not trying to kiss her while she's drunk. So once again, Christian comes to the rescue at exactly the right moment and swoops in and is like, this is mine. This is my woman. You know, gets to have his little pissing contest with another man in Anna's life, which I would get really tired of personally if that was how my partner acted around every single person who might potentially be attracted to me that we ever, you know, came across. Maybe that's like just queer poly things, but I think that would get fucking exhausting. I think I, I would not enjoy that. So they get into Christian's car to go to Anna's apartment for a change because Kate is on vacation. I don't remember when the last time was that I mentioned that, but yes, Kate is gone. Anna has the apartment to herself for now, so they're taking advantage of that. They're going to Anna's apartment for their date night. So in the car on the way over there, Christian brings up Anna's boss. His name is Jack, by the way. Anna's boss's name is Jack. So I'm gonna just call him Jack for ease of clarity. So Christian asks about Jack and Anna's like, I don't know, he's fine, why do you wanna know? And Christian says, he wants what's mine. I need to know if he's good at his job. <sighs> 
again, like, this is just another fucking pissing contest. This is just another, like, toxic-ass mindset of, like, you are my girlfriend, which makes you my property, which makes you my woman. And, like, okay, yes, in a serious, committed relationship, I am absolutely open to some pillow talk about, like, you're mine, you're my love, whatever. Like, you are mine and I am yours, right? That's, that's part of the language of, like, romance and love, and that's fine. It can even be sweet and hot in, you know, at times, but just the context and the tone of it just crosses way over that into, like, possessiveness and, like, overly controlling bullshittery, <laughs> you know, the same shit we've been dealing with for this entire series. Like, it, it doesn't feel like, you know, you're my love and I'm yours. It feels like you are my girlfriend and you're my submissive, so therefore you're my property, whether you like it or not, which is not good. So yeah, so Christian is like, is Jack good at his job? And Anna's like, what the fuck do you care? You're, you're like, he doesn't, not your boss, whatever. And Christian's like, if, if he makes one move on you, I'm gonna get Jack fired, which again is super fucking possessive, super fucking over the line. And also like, okay, let's say that Jack was, you know, being a little bit more threatening about maybe really overstepping and maybe doing some kind of like coercion or assault towards Anna. Let's say that that's the case, which so far it has not been, but let's just say. I understand wanting to protect your partner from that. I think that's noble. However, I also think, no, I know, <laughs> I'm not gonna say I think, Anna is a whole ass grown adult human woman who can take care of her damn self. If she wants help, she will ask for it and then you can step in and, but even then, I just find it so inappropriate for him to say, I'll just get this bastard fired. It's like, no, if anything, you're gonna offer to, like, support her while she goes to human resources or whatever, whatever she's gonna try and do to fight this. <laughs> Let her live her own life, okay? Okay. This is one of those things that I keep coming back to because I feel like this is such a fundamental misunderstanding that a lot of people have about kink and especially about like higher protocol, 24-7 power exchange dynamics. And, you know, it's one that clearly got, got written into this entire fucking series is like the point of a DS relationship is not to take away the autonomy of the submissive. It's not to deny that the submissive is a whole ass adult human in person. The point of a DS relationship is that each of you is kind of improving the other person's life in various different ways. Maybe that's the submissive is doing servicey shit, you know, whatever that looks like, whether it's helping your dom organize their day or helping your dom do chores or whatever that looks like in your relationship. And the dom, meanwhile, is empowering the sub. Like, I feel like so many people outside the lifestyle don't understand that. Submission is supposed to be empowering, whether that's, I don't know, your dom helping you organize your day or like stick to your to-do list or even just giving you a space to give up some responsibilities and some autonomy to kind of give you the space and the bandwidth to go out 
outside of scene and live your best life and be your best self. Like that's so much of what DS is about. And it's not only completely absent in these books, it's Christian is kind of attempting to do the complete opposite. And he is using his real life out of headspace, out of scene power to just weasel his way into all of these corners of Anna's life, whether she wants it or not, and take away all of her autonomy and just take over, take over her entire shit. And that's just not... I have never encountered a way to do that healthily. Even in really, really intense 24-7 DS dynamics, where the emphasis is on 24 fucking 7, there, there still needs to be space for the submissive to have input into the relationship, to have some kind of autonomy and some kind of say in their life. You know, there needs to be a way where they can call time out and be like, hey, actually, I want to handle this thing on my own. Hey, actually, actually, I want to take some time for myself. Whatever. Like, even if you're the most subby, submissive person who has ever lived in the entire history of the planet, you're still a human being and you still need some kind of sense of self and some kind of sense of your own life in order to be healthy, to live in a healthy way. And Christian is trying his damnedest to not even give Anna that choice. Speaking of, speaking of Christian Grey, weaseling his way into every single fucking aspect of this poor woman's life. In the course of this conversation, where he's threatening to get Jack fired, and Anna's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Christian reveals that he has bought the publishing company that Anna works for. Which is, like, so... It, uh, it's inappropriate beyond words. Especially given that this is after he has already offered for Anna to come work for him, and she has already said, no, I would prefer not to. So he's like, okay, so I'll just buy your entire employer, and then you'll be working for me anyway. And I get my way anyway. And now there's nothing you can fucking do about it. What are you gonna do? Just quit and get another job? I mean, I guess she could do that. But what's to stop him from buying that company too? Like, and this is exactly what I was saying about autonomy. She had no say in this. She had no choice. She, he just did it without asking, without any kind of moment to stop and check in about how invasive that would be. Because he doesn't care. He just wants to be the number one thing that her life revolves around, and he is gonna get it in any way he possibly fucking can. And that's, I mean, do I even have to say how fucking manipulative and toxic that is? Because I've been shouting at it for like 30 episodes now. So he says he bought the company because he needs her safe. Okay, yeah, I get it. It's kind of natural to want to like protect your the people in your life that you care about. Fine. However, there is a massive distance between trying to help protect and support your partner and needing to control every aspect of her life, no matter what she thinks of it. That's not protective. That's not keeping her safe. That's not dominance. That is abuse. That is manipulation. That is control. That's completely fucking inappropriate. Also, having her essentially work for him is not keeping her safe. I listened to an episode of the Dildorks the other day um, where they were talking about this idea of like the kinky prime directive, which is that the submissive's like primary goal, primary job in life is to protect their dominance property, meaning them, the submissive, up to and including protecting themselves from their dominant. 
which can be, you know, protecting themselves from an abusive dominant or even just like, hey, our relationship is basically fine, but I need to set a boundary. I need to set some space for myself within this relationship. And Christian is absolutely not doing that. He is not allowing her any space to protect herself from him if and when she needs to do so. Which, if you have been following long on this series so far, she absolutely does need to do that. But he's not letting her in the name of her quote-unquote safety, when in fact, this is the exact opposite of fucking safety. This is putting her at so much risk for manipulation, for becoming dependent on him. Because, hey, guess what? He says he would never do it, but he now has the power to get her fired for any reason or for no reason. That is not the kind of power that a dominant should hold over their submissive. He now has the power to make her completely financially dependent on him, at least temporarily, you know? Say he gets her fired and then she's, you know, she just finished college. She's fucking broke. Like, it's, it's just such a small step from this to a completely, you know, completely cutting her off from any other support system outside of himself. And that is, that is not keeping her safe. And either he knows that and he's doing it on purpose in order to draw her further into this abusive relationship, or he doesn't know that and he doesn't see that and he genuinely thinks that this is the best way to keep her safe. And honestly, I am not sure which one is scarier. I am not sure which option makes me more scared for her. They're, they're both bad. Let's just leave it at that. Yeah, so she's like, I thought you said you weren't going to interfere in my career. And he's like, oh, I won't. Uh-huh. Sure, Jan. It's real easy to say that now and then change your fucking mind later or just be lying. Either way. Oh my god. Okay, so this next scene I choose to find funny because if I don't, it's just like one of the saddest fucking commentaries on rich people in today's society. So they're at Anna's apartment and Christian, first of all, decides that she has not had enough to eat that day. So they're gonna eat dinner before they fuck. But of course, there's no food in the house because Anna has not been eating. So she has not been grocery shopping. So she takes takes Mr. Billionaire to the grocery store and she's like, when was the last time you were in a grocery store? And he was like, I have no clue. And she's like, so which one of your, you know, servants, which one of the help does the grocery shopping? And he's like, I don't know. And then they go back home and she's like, okay, can you like, he's like, I want to help you cook. And she's like, okay, here, chop up these veggies. And he's like, um, and she's like, have you ever had to chop a veggie in your entire life? And he was, and he's like, no bitch. Cause like, yeah, he was four years old when he got adopted into this hella fucking rich family. And then he just, I don't know, probably inherited a company from his family. Cause that's usually how that works and became the CEO. And so now he's still super fucking rich. He has never had to actually prepare food for himself in his life. I am guessing. I am guessing he has always been able to go into the kitchen and have help there to get him food if he is hungry or at the very least have it like prepared and left for him which is just like I just had to laugh at it because what's that quote from Hedwig and the Angry Inch I laugh because I'll cry if I do not like yeah bro 
rich people really just be living a different fucking life from the rest of us. And like, I don't know, I grew up like upper middle class. I grew up fairly wealthy, but I never fucking had help. I never lived in a house with staff. You know, like I had a comfortable childhood and I'm super grateful for that. But this is like an entirely other level. Like this is ridiculous. Okay, so our next quote from this chapter is on page 64. They're like puttering around in the kitchen, whatever. And Anna is thinking, the fear that I'd always felt in his presence, meaning Christian's presence, has gone which is a bad sign. I know I've said this before. I know you know exactly what I'm gonna say again, but that's a really fucking big red flag. If you're just constantly scared in the presence of the person that you're dating, that's probably a sign that you shouldn't be dating them. And like, okay, here I come with my, you know, signature. I am neurodivergent, so I gotta clarify some shit. Like, I have social anxiety. I also have autism. I have a lot of difficulty interacting with people that I don't know very well. I understand being afraid, or like straight up afraid of new people simply because they're new and that shit's exhausting. So, like, I get it. And especially on, like, the first few dates, here's this brand shiny new person who you're attracted to and you're excited to, like, get to know them, but also, like, oh man, the stakes are high because attraction. And you get the jitters and you get nervous and you don't feel comfortable around them at first. I totally understand that. That's all totally normal. But it's been, what, three weeks? Four weeks? At this point, they've already gotten together and broken up and gotten back together again. Like, if it's a month in and you are still describing the feeling you feel around this person as fear, get the fuck out. Like, listen to that, first of all. Your gut instinct is sometimes correct. I know it's not always correct, but honestly, when it comes to feelings of fear of another person, I would personally err on the side of listening to that instinct because, you know, that's your self-protection. That's your survival instinct right there, honey. Also, like, j honestly, like, why are you around this person if you're so afraid of them? Like, part of the point of a relationship is to, is, like, it's voluntary. It's an opt-in situation. Why would you not want to cultivate it with someone that you actually want to be around and you actually enjoy being around? And, like, this is another one of those moments where I'm like, hey, straight people, can we, like, actually date people that we like and want to be dating, please, for a change? Because, I don't know, if if I'm like afraid of someone, that's not the person that I want to be trying to cultivate a relationship with of any kind. Romantic, platonic, whatever. That's just not what I want to be spending my time and energy on. I would rather find someone who makes me feel safe because, hi, I have anxiety. A hugely important part of the people that I seek out in my life are people that make me feel safe. <laughs> I don't know, maybe other people don't really think about that criteria as much, but from my perspective, like, why would you not? Why would you be with this person if they scare you? So another lovely little bratty moment. Christian is in fact trying to get Anna to beg him for sex before he does anything before he so much as kisses her. She's got to beg for it, right? So Anna, being a brat, as they're cooking dinner, just starts to like casually brush up against him in all of these suggestive ways at every single opportunity that she gets and is like trying to just wordlessly seduce him. And spoilers, it totally works. <laughs> 
Uh, and I love that for her. And I love, I love her just living her best bratty life. I, I want that for her. Meanwhile, it turns out she stopped taking her birth control pills during the week that she and Christian broke up. So I'm going to go ahead and guess that that did not help her depression at all because birth control pills are hormonal. Hormones affect our mood. So fucking around with a hormonal-based medication in a situation where you are already depressed, usually not the best idea. Like, I'm no medical expert, but that has been my experience with hormonal birth control and depression anyway, so... Yeah, so her nonverbal seduction works. They fuck. Chapter ends. That's where we're at. Good times. So yeah, thank you so much for listening to my latest rant. My name is Lee. You can find my non-sex work social media at allmylinks.com slash leecartist. And you can find my sex work social media at allmylinks.com slash candykitten. And this podcast can be found at allmylinks.com slash thecurdledpod and also patreon.com slash thecurdledpod where you can support me monthly in return for some fun exclusive content. All of those links are in the episode description. Check out spellings and stuff there. If you have questions, comments, concerns, or want to make a one-time donation not through Patreon, you can get in touch with me at curdledinkpodcast at gmail.com. And if you can't or don't want to support me monetarily, and y'all, it's rough out there. Please rate and or leave a review on your podcast app of choice or tell a friend. Write about the podcast on social media. Find that social media at that all my links link and then tag me. Tag the podcast account. That that would be super cool. Um, whatever you want to do to spread the word about this humble podcast. That would be so, so appreciated. The logo is by Reese Jones at tearlessrainart.tumblr.com. And until next time, remember your rack. That's risk-aware consensual kink. Bye! Episode 30, chapter... Fuck, okay. (laughs) Math is hard, y'all. I have cat hair all over my face. Oh my god, I'm just gonna be picking it off of myself the entire episode, and I'm sorry because my cat is shedding quite a bit because it's warm now. He says that he bought the company because he, quote, needs... He... (sighs) That's not a quote. Google Drive, where are you? There you are. Oh, the kitty is purring.